James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Am I awake? Am I awake? I don't know. I may be awake. I may not be. It is a rough turnaround sometimes between Friday afternoon show and being up on Saturday morning. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Have some coffee. I'm going to have more coffee. And, of course, we have a new Speaker of the House. After 15 rounds, Kevin McCarthy got what he wanted. He's now the Speaker. And the coverage on this is amazing. Speaker in name only. That was, who's that? Oh, that's the Atlantic, you know, the left-wingers over at the Atlantic. Apparently, the 14th round, I was sleeping while I was in bed. I don't know whether I was sleeping. I tossed and turned. When they finally got around to the 14th round of the 15th round uh, series, that is just like a professional fight. You know, a professional fight. It can go 15 rounds. But, uh... Anyway, when they got to the 14th round, things got heated. Mike Rogers, who was one of the, uh, uh, how shall I put this? I'm trying to find a nice way to say that he's a, anyway, Mike Rogers <laughs> tried to take a lunge at Matt Gates. He would have gotten his clean, his clock cleaned thoroughly if he had hit him. But he had to be physically restrained. The pictures are out there. It's so funny in a way and so pathetic in other ways. After it was all over, Kevin McCarthy thanked Donald Trump and thanked Matt Gates, which was interesting. The left-wing press is having a cow. The 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. That's how you can reach us if you want to be part of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. And welcome back to Saturdays, by the way. It's very, very rare that we're not here. Uh, we were here for almost the entire year last year, one or two days I think we were off. One, one we were trying to be here, but we couldn't be here. I was over in London. And poor Scott, that was before Southwest. He had a meltdown on another airline sitting around. Got to waiting. Sleep. I finally got to sleep at the airport. I got to sleep at JFK. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, I didn't sleep at JFK. I just sat at JFK mm-hmm. the entire night. Yeah, we were. We, he was trying to get over to London so we could do our broadcast from there. And they oh, and it was it was such a great story too because it's like the, the 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 people at the gate or the you know ticket. Not refunders, but the people, the customer service representative. Well, we can get you there on Sunday at 7 a.m. Look, my return flight is Sunday at 8 a.m., so you get me there just in time to, to fly. Why is that a problem? <laughs> I'm not going for the plane ride. That's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, you know, there are estimates on how much this Southwest thing has. I don't know whether you know that or not, how much the uh, Southwest no, billions. It's uh, $825 million you're thinking it might cost them. It's a lot of money. Unless, of course, you're one of the mega wealthy. There's more news besides Speaker of the House, by the way. Uh, there's another article. I have it buried deep in the stack. 
that luxury housing in America has taken a sharp fall. It is on the decline. But let's get back to the speaker, shall we? It's early. We have time. I wonder if Derek is up. Derek Hunter, are you up? We haven't talked to Derek in weeks. Derek may have forgotten us. If Derek is up, I definitely want to catch up with Derek this morning. Anyway, 55th Speaker of the House, 216 votes. And now the lefties are having a cow. Why do you think, let me just ask the crew, everybody that's awake, who's screening? It is Joe screening today. Okay, Joe, I hope you know a little bit about politics. Don't worry if you don't. Why do you think the liberals are having a cow today after after Kevin McCarthy has finally been elected? What would be your first guess if I said to you, liberals seem to be really unhappy that finally they have a House Speaker? Why would you think they're unhappy? Uh, I guess because it's a Republican? Nope. How about you, Diego? Can you repeat the question? I was busy making sure Joe could go on the air. (laughs) Why do you think that the liberals, the Democrats, and their friends in the mainstream media are upset this morning because Kevin McCarthy has finally been elected Speaker of the House? I think it has something to do with the fact that uh, now now it's time to do actual work. Nope. Although, good, good try, because they... This is, I, in fact, I posted something earlier today from the Babylon Bee on my Twitter feed. Uh, nation shocked, politicians working four days in a row. <laughs> exactly, that's what I'm saying. All right, Scott, your turn. I'm going to go because he's white. It's not that simple. Some of them, no, I'll give you the answer. And this is so unbelievable. The lefties are upset because Kevin McCarthy made concessions to Republicans in order to get elected. And by doing so, he has, quote, unquote, weakened the position of the House. He's he's a weaker speaker, and that has them mad because now. Well, because they can't do their omnibus. Ah, because now, because now these evil, wascally Republicans have demanded concessions. And he has conceded to those things, and now they don't yet. Derek is awake? Whoa. Well, we're going to take. Hey, Derek, how you doing? Of course I'm awake, James. I have the fear of you, your producer, calling me at 7 o'clock no matter what. So I, I wake up in a cold sweat at 8.50 every Saturday. You ruin everything. Thank you very much. You're quite a happy new year to you, too, Derek. (laughs) Happy new year. Yeah. Derek, did you stay up to watch this, the 14th and 15th rounds? I did, in fact, stay up to watch them. I went to bed right after McCarthy or right. Actually, it was during McCarthy's speech. I went to bed. I thought that was what? McCarthy's speech was, was wildly inappropriate, typical of leftists. And um, I tweeted things that involved words that uh, can't 
be used on radio or around family or children. But, uh, yeah, it's typical of a leftist. And Kevin McCarthy's speech, I thought Kevin McCarthy would have been better off to stand up and say, you know what, I'm not going to sit here and give you a partisan speech like my counterpart, whatever. Uh, it just tells you more about them. I'm interested in getting to the work of the American people, but he stuck to his prepared remarks. I did think it was funny that he he warned Hakeem Jeffries, just be warned, two years ago I had the unanimous support of my caucus, too. <laughs> okay. All right, Derek, we're going to take a break. We're going to break early so that we can spend some time with you. And um, I want to I want to get your opinion on this this the the stories that I'm reading this morning, Derek. The Democrats and the liberals, especially in the mainstream press, are having um, a, a hysterical fit because mm-hmm. now the House speakership has been weakened. And oh, how dare how dare they make concessions? He's 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 going to learn the hard way now what it means to to. to to give him to these right-wing nuts. That's the attitude that they have. He's a speaker yeah. in name only. <laughs> God forbid there be some semblance of regular order. How will the exactly. Republic survive if it functions the way it was designed? Now, now, okay, that's a good point to pick up on when we get back. I want you to explain what, because we hear this phrase all the time. I know what it means, but I want you to do the explain because you're so good with words even bad ones. I want you to explain why regular order is so important when we get back. We hear this phrase all the time, and people are like, yeah, regular order, regular order. What the? Yeah, I guess everything's just going to be orderly. Well, it's not quite that, but okay. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, here with you. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We are joined by the one, the only, America's columnist, America's bad boy of politics, Derek Hunter, and we'll all come back, and we'll be with you on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. And your calls, too, 800-848-WABC. So don't go away. Coming right back. Oh knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Derek's musical choice. We have to let it play for a little while. You know, let it play too long. As he likes to complain about the music coming in. You know, people will be pretty sure that you hate me if they just tuned in every time you introduce me. Well, I don't hate you. I know you you don't. But if you you listen to you talk about me, although I will say your exit... Introduction, since it wasn't an introduction, I, it made me feel like Morris Day, and you were my Jerome, man. You were my total hype man going out, and then you come back and you just sort of gluey me right in the groin. Telling the truth, you complain that I play bumper music too long. I don't comp- I point it out sometimes. I point, I point it, it out. out. It's different than complaining. Look, I could listen to Fleetwood Mac all day long. 
I am a little bit disappointed that when I was on right before Christmas, you didn't have Holly Jolly Christmas by Burl Ives or Run DMC's Christmas in Hollis. We're going to try to get that for next year. It's supposed to be a New York station, but, you know, whatever. Look, if I had my way, it would have been there. And mm-hmm. you just blew right past the chorus of Rihanna. <laughs> it's, it's bumper music, as you know, is music that fills the gaps. No, it's not. It is music that we love to hear, and it adds to the value of listening. James Golden, Saturday morning karaoke, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you tip your No, if I started singing for you, that would be the biggest tune-out factor in radio history. I can't believe you couldn't do some Barry White. I cannot sing a lick. Uh, You know, you can do the talk singing, though. You can do do Barry White intros. Hey, lady, how you doing? I can do that. I've done it. You should have heard our Valentine's Day show. Okay, (laughs) Derek, okay, uh, we asked you before the break to explain the importance of this regular order business. Before you answer, though, let me read you a headline from the Wall Street Journal this morning, the editorial board of the Wall. I can't believe this was actually in the Wall Street Journal. And let me just get your reaction. I want to see if it is similar to mine. His concessions to get the job may cost vital U.S. defense spending. Kevin McCarthy finally won enough votes to become Speaker of the U.S. House early Saturday when the 15th roll call. His latest concessions turn 15 votes and blah, 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 blah. But then they complain. They also want to pledge that the top-line budget figure for domestic discretionary spending in fiscal 2024 won't exceed what it was in fiscal 2022. That includes defense spending, which would have to fall by $75 billion if the cuts are split with non-defense accounts. Whatever happened to regular order? The whole, And then they start complaining. This is the Wall Street Journal complaining about spending. What's your take on this? I, uh, you know, sometimes people do live up to the stereotypes, as you know. The defense budget is somewhere around $800 billion, give or take. And it's sad that we can sit here talk about almost a, a trillion dollars in those sorts of casual terms. And we need a lot of it. We don't need all of it to think that the government – to be a conservative is to recognize that government fails in a lot of what it does, and it does what it succeeds at. It also does wildly inefficiently, right? So to then look at the Pentagon and say, it's everywhere except for the Pentagon. Every, in the Pentagon, it's the model of, of efficiency and brilliance, and boy, how do you want them to do your taxes? They are, they want you, you want them to run your books when you're opening a small business. It's absurd. There is waste, fraud, and abuse in the Pentagon, as there is waste, fraud, and abuse in health and human services. There are redundancies. There's fraud. There is skimming. There is everything you can possibly imagine. You can make $75 billion, sadly, if you just did an audit of the books. I'm fairly certain. So the concept that that would somehow destroy and by the way, what they, they seem to be talking about there is, as you know, every year the federal budget increases by certain amounts. And uh, to not have 
an increase as large as they projected or an increase at all is treated as a cut. It's like you making a million dollars one year and then expecting to make $2 million the next year, things go sideways and you only make a million dollars. You didn't take a million dollar pay cut. You just made a million dollars instead of $2 million. You, you'll survive, or at least you should. And that's how they're talking about this $75 billion. It's not going to go from $800 billion to $725 billion. There is no government cutting. There never is. It is a decrease in the increase, or in this case, a preventing of an increase. And God forbid you have to live for two years on the same amount of money, like, you know, everybody else. Now, this is the thing that blows. And what you were describing, by the way, the first time, Derek, I ever heard that concept. It's not a concept, actually. The first time I ever heard the reality of how our government spends money was from Rush. And mm-hmm. he and he spent a day, one afternoon talking about baseline budgeting and explaining it, very similar to the way that you just did, which is the, there are no cuts. This is a cut in the projected increase rate of increase of growth. There are no real cuts here. We're not talking about cuts. And I would <clears throat> say that almost any American business that ran their affairs like the United States government does, the owners would be shackled up and thrown away for fraud. This well, is... yeah, or they'd be major Democrat donors who are out on bail. Uh, yes. Bad hairdos <laughs> who spend an inordinate amount of time in the Bahamas with their weird shake. Yeah, but your point is well taken. It's true. It's who they, it's who they are. You would be in jail if you, if you're a local government. If your city council did this, the FBI would swoop in and start arresting people. Right. So, I I just find it beyond the pale that the Wall Street Journal would come of all of all of the mainstream press uh, Paul Gigo, I think, runs the editorial board over at the Wall Street Journal, and I'm just shocked. I was, I was surprised that this is the tact that they took. Um, and then there's a column in the Los Angeles Times today, Derek, by some guy named Barabic, I think is how you pronounce his name. I, I, if I'm mispronouncing it, it's not intentional. And he says uh, McCarthy's election as speaker comes at a high price, and this is more complaining. And far more troubling, McCarthy's cowardly concessions leave the country hostage for the next two years to an extreme fringe of far-right zealots who threaten to turn the normal operation of government and such typically routine business like raising the debt ceiling to avoid default and economic catastrophe into cliff-hanging drama. Really? These people have conservative Tourette's. They cannot. Look, Nancy Pelosi cut all sorts of deals in order to get the, the, the support of the goon squad back then when there was just the gang of four. And she actually held through on that. Some of the pieces of the Green New Deal were hammered into bills where they were not particularly germane, but they did it anyway in order to appease the left flank. None of these people complained. And I guarantee you all of these people were complaining before the deal was cut, going, why can't these Republicans get their act together? Why can't they do this? And then they do it, and they go, "How did uh, they shouldn't have done it this way. Like, they're not our friends. They're the enemies. So I know it's, it's polite to say opponent, 
but it's more accurate to say enemies nowadays. And that's just who they are. It takes the people who care about whatever some Los Angeles Times columnist thinks are not reachable, are not gettable. You can spend an, you know, if you're going door knocking for a candidate and you come across, hey, uh, how about you vote for Donald Trump for president? And they say, hell no, absolutely not. You should just leave and go on to the next one because you're going to waste your time. You could spend six months there arguing on the porch going, here's why you should do this and, and take on point. But you're not going to make any progress with this person and you're going to lose any progress you could have gotten with other people. That's why you, you go to people you suspect are on your team and you're mostly reminding them to vote. So let the other side, let the enemy be the enemy. Worry about uh, your own team and keeping them in line. We have a Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy has announced that the first vote is going to be to repeal those 87,000 IRS agents. Be cynical about that. You know, from a conservative perspective, go, yeah, that's that's great. It's a symbolic vote, but it's dead in the Senate. Okay. Sadly, with Republicans controlling just the House, they're not really going to be able to put any pressure on Joe Biden because nothing's going to get to him. They need to focus better on messaging rather than really more so than anything else, because this is going to be two years of rhetoric. They're going to have to do the housekeeping things. They're going to have to do the, the normal things. They might be able to extract some concessions out of the process and doing those small ones. But if Republicans remain as horrible as they are at messaging as they've always been my entire life, they are going to have Democrats all over television going, the Republicans are shutting down the government. Republicans are doing this. Republicans are doing it. And pretty soon thereafter, they're going to cave to stop the complaining. If the RNC were smart, and I recognize the irony in that statement, if the RNC were smart, they'd already be on the airwaves. With, <laughs> they'd already be on the airwaves with issue ads. They'd be bypassing. They don't have anybody in the Republican caucus with the communication skills of a Ronald Reagan who could talk over the press to the American people. Rush Limbaugh is gone. They're going to have to go out and educate the American public and bypass the media and tell them the truth themselves, do it in 30-second snippets. You don't have to spend a ton of money doing it. But on the networks, you should be running ads for people who don't follow the news uh, or barely follow the news or only get their news from the, the alphabet soups and uh, educate them on what is really going on. A 30-second ad that runs about these IRS agents might get some groundswell support for people going, wait a second, I don't want to be, what do you mean you're going to send an army of flying monkeys after me? It just, I don't want that. You can do it if you do it smart. The biggest hindrance to Republicans advancing the cause of conservatism isn't Democrats most of the time. It's, it's Republicans. Republicans. Let me so ask you this, Derek, before you explain regular order, which I keep putting off. No. Talk to me about the politics of this for a minute. By the way, I just got a note from someone chastising me, my good friend, my love. You may want to introduce Derek and what he does when he comes on each week, James. Why don't you introduce Derek and tell everybody who he is instead of you just going to him? Is there anybody you like? Who you talk about like you like them? Yes, <laughs> I, I love I this person. This to me, this. I know, but I, I mean, I'm in the middle of a show, and here I am crazy. being scolded on. Here's how you should be doing your show, James. Okay, <laughs> somebody's got to tell you. 
Derek Hunter, ladies and gentlemen, is an author. He is a columnist. He is a fellow talk show host in this business, a syndicated talk show host. He was also, I am very proud and, and humbled to say, the very last new talk show um, host that we introduced as a guest host for the Rush Limbaugh program. Derek is a longtime D.C. insider. He knows everybody. Everybody knows him. They all hate him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, they if don't. I do it right, I'm doing it right, they do. Now, they, has, I will say this. Let me say this because I made this point this week on my show. Is they should hate you, 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 or at least they shouldn't like you. You shouldn't be. I've seen a lot of hosts talk about how they're friends with this faction and this faction. Rush was right. Don't be friends with these people. You can be friendly with these people. Don't be friends with these people because if you're if you're friends with them and your friend does something that deserves criticism and scorn, you're going to temper it. You're going to go, oh, geez, I, 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 I don't really want to say what, what so-and-so is up to. Your job, your duty is to say what so-and-so is up with and how, why it's bad if it is bad. And if it's your friend, you're not going to be likely to do that. Be friendly, but don't be friends. There's a huge difference. Rush taught us all a lot of good lessons. Some of them I agree with, some of them I don't, by the way. I have friends, and I will chastise them if I think that they're wrong. Well, you're you're a jerk. It's different. Thank you. (laughs) And I appreciate that because, yes, I can be a jerk, and, and because I agree wholeheartedly, our first job is to the people that listen to us. It's not even to our friends. Look, I love Newt Gingrich, but I just thought he was he's gone bananas. And I was just pissed at Newt Gingrich this week, as can be, for his stance on on the people that were actually protesting this vote for Kevin McCarthy. And he's he's one of among many who I just these establishment hacks, they started showing their true colors this week. I mean if, if you dare if you dare speak up and say, well, no, maybe we want somebody other than Kevin. They came at you and called you every kind of name in the book. You're a terrorist. You're acting immorally. You, never well, was well, it ascribed. Well, you, you, you'd hate me then this week because I was criticizing some of them, not Chip Roy. Chip Roy was coming at it from point of principle, and the points he made were returning to regular order in many ways and were quite good. Other people didn't seem to have a point. Mike, and, who are you uh, talking about specifically? Matt Gates. Oh, you don't think Matt Gates had a point? Uh, he wasn't able to articulate one very well, so if he did, he was a horrible spokesman for it. Lauren Boebert was another when she was on with your uh, friend Hannity. He was simply asking her some basic questions, and both of them came to the, what do you want, what do you want, what do you, and they would say some things, and they said, okay, well, so then if you, you've gotten those. What now? And they couldn't say why they opposed. It's just, I don't care. I don't care. I didn't care if Kevin McCarthy. I have no love of Kevin McCarthy. But when you sit there and you say, I want this, that, and the other thing, and somebody goes, all right, here you go, this, that, and the other thing, and they say, now will you vote for us? No, I won't, because I'll never vote for this person. Well, why the hell is anybody wasting their time talking to you? You've made yourself irrelevant. And by the way, if you look, Jim Jordan, I love Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan would be a fine speaker. I'm not sure he'd be a great speaker because Jim Jordan doesn't want to be doesn't want to be speaker. That's kind of an important thing. Leadership 
true leadership, to be successful at leadership, you have to kind of want it. It can be thrust on you in the battlefield, but if you deliberately and expressly say you don't want it, you're not going to be particularly good at it. Does anybody remember Paul Ryan, the conservative victories? One thing he was interested in was taxes, and we got a good tax bill, and everything else was garbage because he didn't want the job. He took it as a favor. Leadership is not a favor. Jim Jordan wants to be chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. And quite frankly, I'd rather him be there than anywhere else. Why? Because of all the rest of the Republican caucus, there isn't a single one of them who can string together a coherent line of questioning to get to the bottom of liberal corruption the way that Jim So are you Jordan another does. one of these pro-Kevin guys that was Kevin or nobody? Oh, my God. Are you deaf? Do you own Q-tips? Should I send you some Q-tips? I don't care who it was. It should be somebody who wants the job. It shouldn't be somebody who doesn't want the job, and especially it shouldn't have been Jim Jordan because Jim Jordan. I'm not saying it. Look, I never advocated for Jim Jordan. I'm talking about. I'm not talking about Kevin McCarthy. I was talking about. Well, you get the wax out of your ears, pal, because I was just asking, are you one of the Kevin only guys? That's what I was asking. Asking, you were accusing me. No, I'm not. I couldn't care less who the speaker was. I wanted Why Jim not? Jordan where Jim Jordan wanted to be. Why? Because it's a, mostly a perfunctory job, especially after the deal cut with Chip Roy. It is less powerful, and that's a good thing. It Thank brings goodness. back membership in the House. Before, I used to describe the House of Representatives as there are 435 people. There are about five who matter. The rest of them don't, because that's how it was. They really <laughs> don't. They got me. James Gold. They count on the total votes, but they are drone worker bees. They don't get much of a say. The speaker, you can have your committee hearings, you can have your markups, you can do And the speaker goes, that's nice work, pats them on the head, gives them a lollipop, and puts their own bill in there. And they, they, you vote on it this way or nothing. That was what the speakership had become. Now committee assignments will matter. Now hearings will matter, and people will be able to offer amendments. That's a good we'll be back. Thing. Will it matter? Will it change anything? Probably not. But we'll be back. We'll be back. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Sterling, with you here. It is our Saturday morning ex- radio extravaganza. Your calls are coming up today, too. We are joined by Derek Hunter, who has a long list of accomplishments. This is James Golden. <laughs> it's nearly back right after this. Don't go away. And informative, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air, 77 WABC. Robert Palmer brings us back. I love Robert Palmer. I always loved his music. I always loved his videos. I think he has one of the most iconic ever videos. As soon as you see it, sim- the one for Simply Irresistible with the ladies in black. A columnist, talk show host extraordinaire. Family man. Washington Insider. 
critiquer of other people's talk shows. Derek Hunter <laughs> is on the air. I'm not sure how much of a family man I am either. I'm down the hallway yelling at you while everybody else is trying to sleep. I don't know if they still are, but what are you going to do? Okay, now explain this regular order business there. People don't, a lot of people heard that this is one of the major concessions. Regular order. Why is it so important? Well, there is a, you know, everybody remembers the uh, schoolhouse rock, I'm just a bill, and how how bills become laws. Well, there are ways that the chambers, each chamber individually, operate generally historically. And they haven't been operating that way for some time. There's a budgetary process, for example. We just saw a $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill. Nobody knows what the hell omnibus spending bill means. It means that they took their whole budget, they lumped it into 5,000 pages, hope nobody read it, and said, vote or you're going to miss Christmas with the kids. And we'll discover it was a Nancy Pelosi, you'll find out what's in it after we pass it mentality. Well, the normal budgetary process, the regular order, if you will, for budgetary process is to have 12 different spending bills for 12 different government departments where each relevant committee has hearings on what is needed and what is not needed. And they vote on whether or not to include funding for those things or to end those programs. I know that's a bit of a pipe dream, but the concept is there. And then they put together a budget for the Department of Health and Human Services. And then they debate it, and they vote on just that. And, my God, can you imagine that? There's there's transparency. People have a concept of what they're voting on and an opportunity to have read and understand it and more of an opportunity to have input on it because they could offer amendments. Most of them would go down in flames, but at least they have the opportunity, and theoretically at least a good option, a good plan would win out. Under the current system, it is here it is, take it or leave it. Here's your medicine. Take it or leave it. Uh, either this or you're going to shut down the government. Shut up, obey, do what you want to do. That's what I mean when I say there are 435 members of Congress and there are like five who matter. The speaker, the whip, the, the leadership in both parties. That is not what Congress was designed to do. Uh, each member is there representing hundreds of thousands of Americans Theoretically, they should have an equal input. Committee chairmen obviously have a little bit more because they they control the direction, but everybody should have a, a chance at pulling on the reins a little bit. Regular order returns that, and it takes power away from the speaker. Because realistically, if Nancy Pelosi wanted something, it would get done. She had a hive of, uh, of you know the Borg out there, the Democrats, going to do their bidding, her bidding, no matter what. If she wanted something done, on rare occasion, it didn't work, like when she tried to condemn anti-Semitism and had to do all hate because Ilhan Omar's friend said, what's so bad about anti-Semitism? But in general, <laughs> they uh, she got her way, and uh, it, it, the caucus just fell in line. That is – And this is why I think Chip Roy is it. This is why I think Chip Roy is going to come out of this looking really good, because what Chip Roy did now, look, they put all this in writing, uh, supposedly, as if that really means something. Yeah, put something in writing. That means it's going to take place. Um, mm-hmm. But supposedly this is all in writing, and supposedly there will be a return to regular order. Supposedly every congressman, and the Democrats should be applauding this too, because under 
the speakership the way that it was, they would have been totally locked out. They might as well just go play golf and come back when it's time to vote no. But um, technically, if this actually transpires, they will actually have a voice. Now, again, they may end up on the losing end for everything, just as if they would have. But who knows? You can actually find, quote-unquote, bipartisanship sometimes if you are on the right side of an issue that most of the Congress would agree with. So this is actually a return, as you indicated earlier, to the way that Congress used to be run when it was far more, and I say in air quotes, democratic than having all the power vested in party leadership. It's true. And uh, now the left can take advantage of this. There are pitfalls. The motion to vacate the chair being able to initiated by one member means that Democrats could, if they really wanted to, just do that all day long. Um, I don't think they would be pretty stupid if they did. But then again, they're pretty stupid. Who knows? But it it, it returns power to the individuals after uh, Watergate, they introduced the subcommittees. Remember, there used to be just committees, James. Right. And the the new membership that came in after Watergate said, "Well, wait a second. We're, we're just we're basically window dressing. We want some kind of power." And they threatened to revolt. They got rules changes, and they created a whole bunch of subcommittees. You can think what you will of the efficacy of that, but they did. It did diffuse power throughout more and more people. So this had the last 30 years has been consolidating power around a speaker. This returns a lot of that. There will be pitfalls and and issues and problems with it, but by and large, it'll be good because frankly, less things will be able to get done. And uh, that means the things that get done are going to have to have some pretty, pretty broad appeal. Let us go to the telephones. Derek, hang in here. Let, we'll take a call together. We'll see how this works. Uh, Joe in Staten Island, you're on the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, and also with us, Derek Hunter. How are you, Joe? Good morning, Bo. Uh, happy New Year. And Derek, happy New Year. Um, happy just want to mention, um, we're ha- I'm happy that we got the speaker. And uh, you know what? If the point is Nancy Pelosi for the last 12 years, whatever, when she was on and off, ended up jamming stuff down without us finding out what's going on. And the Senate, we need to make sure that this is all debated because what she did was bypass one half. And then the last minute, like Derek said, you know, here, take it or leave it. Otherwise, you're not going to go home. And uh, that's what she's been doing. So let's do it the right way. See how Kevin works out. And, uh, I, you know, what? I, I'm happy those guys stood up for at least 15 votes and drove the libtards crazy. That's all I could say. <laughs> you know? Thank I will you, give Joe. a warning. They, there is a, you know, like I said, there's the deal cut with Chip Roy and those 15 or whatever on the rules 20. package. The rule, the rule, well, 15. The ones who cut it. I don't know that other people were involved in the deal. Um, but they, uh, they have to pass the rules package. Just because Kevin McCarthy has agreed to a vote on this rules package doesn't mean it's going to be introduced, or it's going to pass. Now, Democrats should vote for it. You're right. This gives them a say as well. 
And if anybody out there, just in case you're thinking, well, this will change how things are run, even if Democrats think, no, each new Congress passes its own rules. Democrats will throw this out um, because it's inconvenient for them. You think Hakeem Jeffries is at all interested in what some backbench member wants. They don't give a damn. Democrats are about raw power. So this is not anything that will impact the House of Representatives function going forward beyond 20, 20 July or January 3rd, 2025. Unless, of course, Republicans hold the House. And they decide to keep the same rules package. But I will say that the Democrats will definitely not keep this rules package. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy, Saturday morning. It is radio. It is WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. We're coming back right after this. Soul of Excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Eight hundred eight four eight wabc 800-848-9222. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly, with you here. Saturday morning, have that cup of coffee with us, or tea, if you prefer. Uh, by the way, we are all still wishing Mark Stein a speedy recovery uh, I haven't talked to Mark yet. As you may or may not know, over the holidays, Mark suffered two heart attacks. The last one in France, and I hope that he's back home in New Hampshire now. We're going to check in on him this week, and hopefully, thank God, he is still alive and not taken from us. So we expect Mark Stein to be back at some point on our Tuesday shows, but uh, we are just wishing and praying, Mark, the, the most the speediest of recoveries. Um, Derek, I want to play something last night uh, uh, that happened. Was it yesterday or the day before? um, They all blur together now. I think this was in the 13th or 12th or something like that round. It's a little bit long. It's Matt Getz, who you gave a little bit of heat to earlier. And this was something I thought was jarring. He went on the attack. And during his speech, members of the House walked out. And I wonder if he will suffer repercussions for this or not. Let's listen to his nominating speech. When the last time he gave a nominating speech uh, from the House floor. For what purpose does the gentleman from Florida rise? To nominate a candidate for Speaker of the House. The gentleman is recognized. Well, sometimes we have to do jobs that we don't really want to do. And sometimes we have to do jobs that we are called to do. And so, my colleagues, I rise to nominate the most talented, hardest-working member of the Republican conference who just gave a speech with more vision than we have ever heard from the alternative. I'm nominating Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan is humble, perhaps today humble to a fault, Maybe the right person for the job of Speaker of the House isn't someone who wants it so bad. Maybe the right person for the job of Speaker of the House isn't someone who has sold shares of themselves for more than a decade to get it. Maybe Jim Jordan is the right person for Speaker of the House because he is not beholden to the lobbyists and special interests who have corrupted this place and corrupted this nation under the leadership of both Republicans and Democrats. 
Maybe Jim Jordan would be the right person for Speaker of the House because he wouldn't fight us when we try to get a term limits bill on the floor. Maybe Jim Jordan would be the right person because he wouldn't fight us when we try to put a balanced budget on the floor and vote for it. And maybe Jim Jordan is the right person because he would endorse the plan that was built by the Texas delegation to finally secure our border. Mr. Jordan said in his nomination that there are certain bills that we have to pass to fix the problem. The challenge is the alternative has been someone voting for the very bills that have caused these problems. Mr. Jordan says that we cannot accept legislation like the omnibus, and I fully agree. And if Jim Jordan were Speaker of the House, if he were the leader of the Republican team, we wouldn't have that circumstance choking the economy of our country, increasing inflation, and diminishing the prospects of a better life for our fellow Americans. And finally, Mr. Jordan said we must engage in rigorous oversight. Every one of my Republican colleagues knows that the person who can lead that oversight effort, who works on it every day, who has the skill and the talent and the will, is Jim Jordan. I'm nominating him, and I'm voting for him. Now, that's actually a different one that I had requested, the one I wanted, believe it or not. But this was still good. It still serves the point because he was still attacking McCarthy all the way through with this one. But the one I was talking about uh, that I had asked for, he had actually mentioned this little dirty trick that McCarthy pulled, called in members and said, okay, if you – he basically asked them what they would like to do in the new Congress, what jobs you would like to have. Then he goes out to the press, according to, to, to Matt, and says, see, these guys are only in it for the jobs, blah, blah, blah. And he was just furious. People got up and walked out. My question to you, Derek Hunter, what is the future of Matt Getz and, 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 and all of those people who actually stood up to Kevin McCarthy? Will there be retribution? Uh, and on some of them, I think there probably will be, and some of it will be deserved. If I if I just wanted to belittle Matt Gates, I would say you clearly have no. You're making the case against yourself. If you're looking for all these wonderful qualities in other people, you're sort of passively admitting you don't have them in yourself. If you really, you know, it, it wouldn't it? Doesn't it sound like that? No, but not also, to me. It does. Oh, we need a leader. We need a this. We need so you can't do it. Why didn't, why didn't he ever put his own name forward? Was he afraid of finding out how wildly unpopular he is? I, see, I view he Matt was. Gates. I view Matt Gates as our Anthony Weiner, and I'm not talking about Anthony Weiner's demise or any pictures or anything like that. He's a married man now. Although in the past, it wouldn't have obviously surprised me. You talk about how Oof. connected I am, but Oof. Oof. he is. Derek. He is. I know, but look, it's politics. It ain't beanbag. He is one of those people who was great on cable news. I'm not sure it'll be a while probably before he's back on cable news and gets back into the good graces of the the gods of cable news. But legislatively, Anthony Weiner had no accomplishments. If you wanted a bomb thrower, if you wanted somebody for ratings who's going to get your audience excited or angered or whatever, certainly wake them up. You booked Anthony Weiner on there. If you wanted somebody to speak seriously about policy, you didn't book Anthony Weiner. Anthony Weiner had no legislative accomplishments. Matt Gates is kind of that same way. It's stylistic, I suppose. You can be a doer or you can be a bomb thrower. 
Jim Jordan is one of those rare people who is kind of capable of being both, but there aren't very many of them. People don't seem to realize if you sat down and uh, said, write down the number of uh, the names of members of the House of Representatives, as many as you can. And for every one past, for you, I'd say past 25, but for the average American past 10 that you write, you get $1,000. You probably wouldn't write very many checks because the House is 430, even the Senate. And I'm somebody who worked in the Senate. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll hear some senator talking, like, who the hell is that guy? Because I have no idea. There's only 100 of them. But there are like seven of them that go on television constantly. They are not. I love, love, love John, Senator John Kennedy. But I'm not really sure his legislative accomplishments. Now, if you just want entertainment value, it doesn't get any better than that. If you want a vote for the right cause, that is, you know, he'll he'll be there with you. If you want a guy to write the legislation, to articulate the points, and really make the case of the American people and fight on the floor of the Senate to get something passed, I'm not convinced he's the guy. I don't, I'm not convinced he's not the guy, but I haven't seen him do it because there is no Kennedy legislation. There, there's a lot of stuff that Lindsey Graham rams through or at least introduces. I'm not sure of what these some of these members of the house have introducing a bill is the easiest thing you can possibly do i'm not sure how many of them do it contrast that with an aoc can't stand what she wants to do but damn it she is effective she has driven her caucus to the left she introduced legislation as garbage as it was and she got some of it passed through in various infrastructure bills and whatnot and she hasn't been there very long Matt Gates has been there longer. What is the legislative accomplishment of Matt Gates? Now, he can make the argument, and there's a good argument to be made, that stopping bad things from happening is just as important, if not more so, than getting good things done. I'm open to that argument, but most roads have two directions. You can do two things at once. You can walk and chew gum at the same time, and I would like to know I'd like to have more members who not only stop bad things from getting done, but fight like hell to get good things done, even if it's Last just question, Derek. other people's bills. Yes. Last question. Are you optimistic or pessimistic or about the same as you were before we began this, this speaker's contest? I'm the same as I was before, before. No matter, I think that there will be a lot of symbolic votes in the House. It'll be interesting. It'll hold Democrats' feet to, feet to the fire but it'll all go die in the United States Senate. It would have been so much better if Republicans had taken the Senate because then they could have actually put some pressure on Joe Biden and exposed him as it is. It'll just be Republicans complaining about Chuck Schumer, the way Democrats, when they controlled the House, complained about Mitch McConnell when Republicans controlled the Senate, except it won't be widely reported the way it was when it was Republicans in the Senate because the Democratic media won't report it. Derek Hunter, columnist, town hall, podcaster, radio broadcaster, guest host for Rush Limbaugh. Derek Hunter, thank you for joining us. Appreciate Happy you, man. Happy New Year, James. Happy New Year, Derek. Thank you. We're coming back. Hour number duo, James Golden. is me, you, the telephones. When we get back, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. I want to get your take on this speaker's battle and what you expect from the new Congress. There is other news out here. We will cover that, too. So don't go away. Coming back for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza right after this.
It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to our number duo. If you want to be part of the program, 800-848-9222, 800-848-WABC is the number. Our thanks to Derek Hunter. And for all of you who are calling and waiting, and we appreciate it. I'll be with your calls as quickly as we can. Let me talk about, uh, for a moment, my own reflections on what we just witnessed in America, this political theater. It has opened up in new ways for some people the divisions in the Republican Party. I am among those who would have been okay, and as I said And I've been saying this all week. I wasn't against Kevin McCarthy, but I was for someone who actually has proven to be a conservative, not just when it's politically expedient. But there is a reality that I would like to to tell you that I think maybe you will agree, maybe you won't. For a long time, many conservatives, us, those rock-rib conservatives, have felt we are the base. We are the base of the Republican Party. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we are not the base of the Republican Party. That is, if if there's one takeaway from this, that should be the takeaway. Conservatives are not the base of the Republican Party. And if you ever want to really see the America that you want again, We're going to have to do a much better job in the primaries of electing conservatives in districts where right now moderates are winning elections and win time after time. And that will necessitate being able to deliver messages that America wants to hear and and not just conservatives want to hear, but that Americans want to hear and actually believing in them. And I think those messages are possible. I think that many of the conservative ideals that we have are translatable into every aspect of American life. You know, there was a, there has been a division in the Republican Party for a very long time perhaps ever since Pat Buchanan began talking about the culture war. Now, there are a lot of Republicans in moderate districts that don't want to hear anything about the culture wars. They look at the things that we look at, and they say, no, I'm not going to talk about that. They don't want to talk about the way that children are being sexualized in schools, for instance. They see that as a death knell. They don't want to talk about entitlement spending. They don't want to talk about many of the things that we talk about. They don't want to have a an immigration policy in the United States that is actually what they and liberals call harsh, but isn't harsh. It's actually following the laws. I'll give you there's a there's a report today that Chicago schools Here's, here's, here's a story. Let me. This is from Fox News. Chicago school's watchdog finds hundreds of employees groomed and sexually assaulted students. 
one school administrator took a student to a play and took her on trips to Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and abroad. The Chicago Public Schools Office of the Inspector General released its annual report Sunday saying it sustained more than 300 misconduct allegations out of more than 600 complaints. One OIG investigation concluded one teacher groomed and sexually assaulted a 17-year-old student three times. That teacher was charged with multiple counts of sexual assault, blah, blah, blah. You you go in and you look at some of the books that are in these libraries. In fact, there was a Daily Mail story. I don't have it printed in front of me. That one of these books that, books that had um, a very graphic homosexual sex acts in it was never intended for children, yet it's in the school system. Now, there's an issue that even Democrats would agree, some of them would agree needs to be addressed. It's an issue that some Republicans are deathly afraid of because they're afraid of being canceled out, et cetera, et cetera. The larger point I was making before is that Politics is a numbers game. Right now, if you look at the Freedom Caucus, which is where you find most of the conservative members of the House, they always have about 40-some-odd members. Out of a body of over 400, they are only able to get 40 or so people turn up at the Freedom Caucus and say, yep, I'm conservative. The largest caucus in the Republican Party is the Republican study group. They're not a conservative bunch at all. The reality of politics is this. We, there are those of us who are upset when we don't get our way. It's a numbers game. We don't have enough members to get our way. And that's sad. So the strategy for conservatives ought to be, what is it that we are not doing that to resonate with not only the American people in a much broader fashion, but with our fellow Republicans? What is it that now? I understand what I can hear some of you right now. But all these guys run as conservative. Many of them do run in primaries touting conservative values because conservatives are more active in primaries. Some of the moderate sit primaries out. But the numbers are still the same. Forty-some-odd members of the Freedom Caucus. We, meaning many conservatives, not necessarily me personally, we laughed ourselves silly when Obama was running for president. You remember this, folks? Some of you remember this. I remember this like it was yesterday. Some of you ran, some of us, I don't want to point fingers at you, and you know who you are who did this. Oh, he's nothing but a community organizer. 
Oh, Obama's a community organizer. <laughs> How does a community organizer think he can be president? He's a community organizer. He's a local rabble rouser. He's just a community organizer. Remember the way we used to, we, not meaning me personally, used to look at people like Paul Wellstone, the late Paul Wellstone. He's a community organizer. The way we talk about the left and their activists. Now, Derek made a very important distinction when he was on about AOC being effective. AOC is still the butt of every of 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 so many memes on Twitter from our side and social media. They hold her. In fact, the Babylon Bee did one. I I didn't even repost it because I thought this was a little bit too edgy for me. They did it on January 6th, and the and the story, they did an entire news story, a satirical news story, that AOC visited her own grave on January 6th and was at her own grave in, in Queens weeping over her own grave. Because, of course, she made all those illusions um, in, the, in the press that she was, you know, she was deathly afraid, et cetera, et cetera. So they did satire on it. You can look almost every day on social media and find AOC being mocked. And yes, does AOC say some of the the most intellectually challenging things of any representative that you've heard? Yep. But she also has an agenda that she managed to get partially pushed through. And we laugh. Well, where the country is at right now is no laughing matter. If you look at every single reason that we fail to get national office, it all comes down to the cities. It all comes down to major population centers across the United States of America, whether that's New York, whether it's Atlanta, Detroit, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Oakland, and you can go on and on. You can go down in the top 20 cities of the United States, top 30 cities, and where are Republicans? Where are Republicans? Not even the moderates do well in those places. Years ago, we laughed at something else as Republicans. Howard Dean. Howard Dean said he wanted to do a 50-state campaign. He was tired of this battleground strategy that we have in politics, only focusing on the five or six battleground states. Everybody laughed at old Howard. Well, guess what? Back then, it would have been almost inconceivable that Georgia would have two Democrat senators. Not anymore. Back then, Pennsylvania was considered a red state. Some of you are old enough to remember when California was a red state, when Colorado was a red state, when Virginia was a red state, when Georgia was a red state, when North Carolina was a red state. Now they are either purple or blue. We can sit here as Republicans and we can be in denial. 
One of the things I thought was great about this speaker's race was that it showed some of these divisions. Rasmussen did a poll. Now, I saw this disputed on some website that fact-checked it and said that this wasn't entirely accurate. But the bottom line of the poll was that the most Republicans wanted somebody other than Kevin McCarthy as the leader. But most of the representatives wanted Kevin. So most of the pe- most of the people that vote for their Republican representatives wanted somebody else, but most of their representatives didn't care what they thought. How does that happen? We have a fundamental problem in the Republican Party. There is a disconnect between what conservatives want and what conservative-sounding representatives do. It is on full display. We do have a strong grassroots movement when it comes to two things, at least two things. We have a strong grassroots movement that is pro-life, thanks to the pro-life activists who have never given up. We have a very strong grassroots when it comes to certain economic matters. But in terms of organization, now we finally have a growing movement in education to oppose what's happening at these local school boards. But that is not enough. If the Republican Party is going to succeed long-term, there has to be a new wave of activism and organization. You cannot ignore community organizing and expect to win national elections. Sad reality, but true. If the Republican Party does not start to embrace other, other, and by this I mean conservatives in the Republican Party, if we do not expand our tent, we will never get what many of you want. And it's that simple. And to me, that's the biggest takeaway from this speaker's race. Now, I wish Kevin McCarthy and Republicans all would love. I'm glad, Chip Roy, we hope to talk to Chip Roy this week. I want to talk to Andy Biggs this week. I'd love to talk to Matt Getz. I'd love to talk to some of these people and see what their takeaways from it is. So we're going to be reaching out to all of them during the program during the week. But I'm telling you, for me, the wake-up call is this. Republicans, you are on a collision course with catastrophe. And you had better, if for conservatives, we had better start defining what our messaging is on a grassroots level a lot better than we have been doing and doing a lot more political organizing than we have in the past if there's going to be victory. Long-term sustained victory. 
For goodness sakes, look at what happened in this last election. John Fetterman won after all of the lockdowns and the harm to the economy. Kathy Hochul won. Gretchen Whitmer won. We couldn't even pull off Georgia. We've got problems in this Republican Party, folks. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Coming back right after this. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on 77 WABC. Uh, the Commodores bring us back here on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Easy like Sunday morning. I know it sounds funny, but I just can't stand the pain. Yeah, I'm leaving you tomorrow. Lionel Richie. Seems to me, girl, you know we're done all the can. See a big stone. I didn't know you liked the other one version. I would have played the other one. I love both versions. So I'm easy. I'm easy like Sunday morning. Yeah. Master songwriter. And a fresh blow for Donald Trump. This is uh, the Daily Mail online. Fresh blow for Trump. As the judge rules, ex-president must face New York fraud trial this fall. Bump stock ban. This is this is incredible. Judge Arthur Engeron said lawyers for Trump and his Trump organization should have known better than to recycle what he said were frivolous, meritless arguments and paperwork seeking the dismissal of New York Attorney General Letitia James' lawsuit. So the lawsuit goes on. And saying he must have faced trial. Now, now this has been a political witch hunt, a political persecution, every step of the way. These people are not going to ever rest. In fact, there was, I'm, I'm trying to remember which story this was. There was a story this week about how how there are some commentators that are still upset that, quote, unquote, Donald Trump is still a free man. These people have had it in for him, and they are not stopping. And this lawsuit, this witch hunt in New York, is continuing. This is exactly why so many of us are fed up with the Republican Party. And I mean fed up. Time after time, they can attack Donald Trump. And you have Republicans joining in. By the way, even at some point, Kevin McCarthy, I'm sorry, people, you may get upset with me for, he's a speaker now, let him know. But he was one of the ones that tried to blame Donald Trump for January 6th. 
Yeah, he said it. He said he, that Trump has to bear responsibility, some responsibility for this. Okay? And then all of a sudden it backtracks. That's what I meant earlier about being consistent. I'm not against Kevin McCarthy. But I'm going to say something to you. I am not also going to ignore what's in front of our face. This Republican Party does not protect its own. Care who they are, they throw them to the wolves. And you look at the way that Democrats have weaponized every branch of government. They weaponize the Department of Energy when it comes to climate change. They weaponize DOT. Every branch of government is politically weaponized by Democrats. And the Republican Party sits like with their tail between their legs and they do nothing. We don't protect Republicans. We are, this this continued persecution of Republicans. Look at who goes to jail and who doesn't go to jail. Hillary Clinton broke the law. It is there's not even a question about this. She still runs around now. She's taking some professor job here in New York. She broke the law. With these government, with these emails, they should have never been stir- st- uh, stored on her personal service. That is against the law. She mishandled classified information. But who is the DOJ going after with classified information? They're going after Trump. We sit back and do nothing. I ran through a litany of investigations, going all the way back from the 900 FBI files that ended up in the Clinton White House, all the way up to the present. Fast and Furious, Benghazi. Goodness, you can even go all the way back to Whitewater, which was never fully prosecuted at all. And we don't take any of that seriously. Look at what happened with with Biden in Afghanistan. There's been no investigation on that. And then look at the investigations that Democrats run on. on, look Look at this. Lois Lerner in charge of the IRS. There is no question about this. There's not even a doubt. The IRS was politicized to go after conservative groups, conservative political groups, and they did it. It was uncovered, and she has never been held accountable. Eric Holder was found to be in contempt of Congress, never held accountable. Republicans do nothing. And the quote-unquote base, this is why I'm telling you, folks, this base that we talk about, we are the base, um, we're not really the, the majority base of the Republican Party at all. Because the things that you and I care about, nothing ever gets done. Look at Benghazi. Benghazi was slow-walked. They said there was going to be an investigation and you heard all this kerfuffle, I'm going to call names. I'm sorry, many of you love the guy. I'm going to just call the name out. Trey Gowdy kept saying he's going to do this, he's going to do that, he's going to do this, he's going to do that. Just like Lindsey Graham, I'm going to do this, we're going to have hearings on that, we're going to have hearings on this, we're going to have hearings on that. Just like Chuck Grassley, and I like Senator Grassley, 
But we're going to have hearings on this. We're going to have hearings on that. We're going to have hearings on this. What has happened from any of these Republican hearings into anything in your lifetime? The Democrats are able to weaponize and actually hold people accountable, even if they have to trump up the charges to do it. And we sit around listening to all these Republicans talking about what they're going to do. Oh, we're going to have hearings in this. We're going to have hearings on that. We're going to have hearings in this. We're going to have hearings on that. Nothing ever gets done. And then they come out and say, hey, come on, vote for us again. Send us your money. Send us your money. You get an email. You get 15 dozen emails in your email box every day from some Republicans asking you for money. But what do they do with it? I'm not saying you shouldn't give money. I, I founded a super PAC, and we're out there like everyone else trying to raise money to do stuff. But the, the, that's not the point. The point is, what do they do with it? Do you ever see the results of any of it? If we don't do a much better job at organization in this party and making sure that there are vetted conservatives that know how to message, and unless we expand the base of conservatives, conservatives in this country, until we expand that base, do not expect results. Because I got news for you. The biggest base of the Republican Party are a bunch of moderates, and they don't give a rat's behind about anything that you and I care about, as evidenced by what their priorities are and what hasn't been done. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, yes, your phone calls, promise, when we come back. I've been running my mouth. I'd love to hear what you have to say, so don't go away. We're coming right back. Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow. Informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Radio 77 in New York, hoping that your presence is indeed very pleasant with us this morning. James Golden with you here on WABC. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Your call is always welcome. 800-848-WABC. Shalomar. You know who did this over? Babyface did a version of this. And I'm trying to remember, he had a rapper that did... Who was it? But Babyface version on this song is beautiful. Howard Hewitt, lead vocalist. 
I was music director when this song came out at WABC. And some people didn't want to play it. I was like, no, 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 we have to put this in the playlist. And it's not to be one of their biggest hits ever. Diego, see whether you can dig out that babyface version from somewhere. It's not in. Your call is coming up here on WABC. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Yeah? Well, roll it. Let's, let's hear it. Let me, come on, man. Give me a little bit. Sorry, we don't have it. Oh, well. I'll get it for next week. Let's head to the telephones then. Chris, Catskills, you've been waiting a while. We appreciate your patience. Thank you. Chris, what's on your mind this morning? Hey, James, I got, we'll see. I know it's not the Chris from the Catskills Hour. I got some good points to make, though. So Derek Hunter gives some great observations, and he's got a lot of knowledge and experience. Uh, his analogy between Gates and Anthony Weiner, I don't think is correct. From this, It is and it isn't. From this perspective, Anthony Weiner has deep administrative understandings, and his goal was to become mayor of New York City. I don't think Mr. Gates wants to become the mayor of Miami, and conversely, I don't think he has a similar understanding. Gates is of not in Miami. He's in he's in the west coast of Florida. Oh, he, I, th- he, I, th- I think he's he, up he's in Pensacola. Point, the point I was trying to make. Yeah, I understand. You, there's a paradigm. You, you wish... You wish the Republican Party primary process was more like what it is in the Democratic Party, and I wish the Democratic Party primary process is more like what it is in the Republican Party because the moderates don't control the primary process in the Democratic Party. But the point I want to make, the second election I ran, I decided to do a writing campaign to try and steal all my opponents' lines, Republican, Independence Party, and Conservative Party. I was successful with the Republican Independence Party, which is the third largest one. I fell short on conservative. I received a phone call from the leader of the Republican caucus the night of the primary because he knew I was going to pull it off, and he had a deal for me. The deal was if I voted for him, it was very narrow. It was equal margins in the county legislature where I worked. If I voted for him for chairman, he would give me any committee seat chairmanship that I wanted. And I said to him, look, if you win, if if the Republicans win, I'm more than gladly vote for you. But I'm a Democrat. I can't vote for you for chairman, even though I think you have the skills and you have the knowledge base and the understanding of Robert's rules 
and the char county charter and procedural rules. So getting to what happened with Mr. McCarthy, in your opinion, and I know your your guest, Mr. Hunter, left, but in his opinion, did you do you think that McCarthy has that kind of understanding of Robert's rules Absolutely. and the procedural rules of the Congress. Yes, yes, yes. I do believe that he does have, yes, I don't think he would be where he is if he didn't. Now, does that mean I think he'll be an effective speaker? Hmm, I don't know. We'll see. Does, does it mean, look, I am happy that Chip Roy and the holdouts, all of them, including Matt Gates, get Gates, including um, Miss Boebert, including some of the people that I am not, not necessarily big fans of, by the way, but I'm glad that they actually did not just rubber stamp this as everyone was demanding. As some, I took a lot of heat from a guy yesterday from this new New York new congressman who was out m- m- trashing these Republicans who stood up. He's not even it's his first term. And he's out trashing people for demanding change. Republicans in the conservative part of wing of the Republican Party are fed up. And I outlined some of the reasons. I don't want to go over them again. Fed up. Fed up that over these last 30 years, they have been betrayed time after time after time again to the detriment of the country. Everything that they have said would happen has happened. Obamacare, despite it being on the books, has been an unmitigated disaster for America. Healthcare costs have not gone down, folks. They've gone up. There is now less freedom. And if you look at what happened in COVID, goodness gracious. Now we have it to the point that the government is mandating things that they should never be mandating when it comes to your health. But yet, I saw something the other day. I, I, I saw it, maybe maybe it was today. It, it said if you, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm going to try to remember this. If you question and you do your own research before you buy a car or before you buy a house, the press will laud you as being a smart consumer. If you question what it is that the government demands you put in your body, they label you a conspiracy theorist. This is what's happened in the health arena. And part of the reason that makes it easier for the government to dictate your health is because we have given the government so much power over health and spending when the government is paying your medicaid your medicare when the government is involved in the rulemaking in every aspect of your health yeah it's easy for them to start meditating you better take this or that or you will lose your job if you don't do this or that the science be damned and every one of these steps along the way has a political legacy and those legacies of what is happening to the American healthcare system right now, you cannot overlook the creation of Obamacare and it being implemented across this country as part of it. Republicans have promised to repeal that thing. Of course, they didn't. And you talk about personal vanity. It was John McCain who stood up 
and proudly put his thumb down on repealing it just so he could spite Donald Trump. Now, many would say, well, Trump brought it on himself because of the way he came after McCain. Well, never mind what McCain had been doing to Republicans all these years. So, I mean, this political history could go back. Look, the point is this. The Republican Party had better has to change if it is going to be a viable political party. I got, at least it pointed out to me, not even a token woman was put up as a nomination. Not even one, one woman. Not even Elise, who has raised so much money. All you get, now we did have Byron Donalds that was put up this time around. But let me tell you something, folks. This is not representative of what we see in leadership of the Republican Party. Things have better things have got to change. Thank you for the call, Chris. Always a wealth of information coming from you, my friend. Sandra in New Jersey. Thank you for waiting. How are you, Sandra? Oh, you're I'm I'm very well, thank you. Um, James. Um, thank you for taking my call. You know, I was watching everything all night long and I and I think that um I really liked when Kevin McCarthy said that he never gives up. And that's very important that he doesn't give up. So that's a clear indication of something good. I also liked when he talked about George Washington on the boat and he had all those various nationalities on that boat that somebody painted. But that's how somebody saw that. I love that. Um, I also thought that his opponent was rather rude. And I also learned Which from one? listening that. Oh, you mean, was, I forgot you mean his, Jeffries? Yeah, that's, I, I wasn't sure how to pronounce his name. Yes, I thought he was a little uh, rudish. And then I wanted to say, now I understand why Jim Jordan didn't want the position, because he works very well with the committees, and we need that. So everything makes sense. Here's a man, Kevin McCarthy, that really wants this job. Okay, he got it. And, and, and I like that he said he never gives up, and that's important. And I like how he portrayed George Washington. I thought that was lovely. I just uh, think that the outcome is going to be okay. I'm glad to hear your optimism, Sandra. Thank you so much for sharing it with us, too. We appreciate it. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, coming back. More of your calls coming up right after this. In the next hour, Scott, it's time. You know what I'm talking about, right? Leo? It's time for Uncle Lenny. Next hour. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, with you here on WABC. Back with our Saturday morning radio extravaganza after these words. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. knows politics and so much more a true connection to real new york on 77 wabc stephen bishop on wabc Smiles when she feels like crying. 
Stephen Bishop. Here's another talented singer, songwriter. He does a version of this. I'll try to get it one day in the, in the rotation with Earl Clue. That is just so beautiful. Puts on Sinatra and starts to cry on and on. He just keeps on trying. And he smiles when he feels like crying on and on, on and on, on and on. Robert in Suffolk County, you've been waiting a while. Welcome. You're on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you this morning, Robert? Okay, James. Hey, I'm really liking your Saturday morning show. Thank you. Where you get where you get to cover in depth and promote more discussion and debate over things in the news and issues. Thank you. <laughs> You deserve it. Now, what's on your um, mind this morning, Robert? Well, I believe it was last Saturday you had mentioned the case of Jeff Younger. It was. It was his, I wasn't here last Saturday, so that was our guest oh. host. I had my yearly vacation. I I work most weeks during the. I don't take usually a vacation, maybe a week. By the way, this year I'm going to change that. This year. In July, I'm going on Mark Stein's cruise. But aside from that, I don't usually take vacation. Um, and so we had a guest hosting last week. But tell us about the case and tell us what you want to mention about it. Uh, yes. Um, uh, Jeff Younger, father, his wife divorced him and moved to California with his son. And his son, right, he's afraid his son is going to be chemically castrated by the wife despite a restraining order that was filed in Texas where they used to to live prohibiting his wife from engaging in a sexual operation there. And this is because now California has called themselves a, uh, a, a state that for gender-affirming care sanctuary state. So now, apparently, the belief is the mother moved to California, and they don't recognize other state laws on this. So if the mother wants to have the kid chemically castrated so that he can be transgendered, that's what the father is afraid of, correct? Yes. This woman must be hell-bent on revenge against the father so that he's his son can never be able to bear him children in the future. Think about that. What kind of mother does this? The mother says the son is uh, goes around saying, I'm a girl, I'm a girl. Well, listen, listen. There are lots of kids that are young age that say something like that, but by the time they grow out of puberty, 
that's not what they think. This is one of the dangers of, uh, it's not just the mother, but ask yourself, what doctor in their, in their right mind would do something that is irreversible to a minor child like this? This is why I think this, folks, I mean, this is, it's beyond the pale, but it is happening. And it's not just this one case. This is happening around this country. It's not just the parents. What in the world kind of medical profession would allow doctors to do this kind of irreversible surgery on children that have not reached majority age, that are not mature, that are incapable of making decisions for themselves for the rest of their lives. Robert, it's sick, and I thank you for for bringing that to the table this morning. George in Rockland County, welcome you on WABC Talk Radio 77. Well, it's always a great honor talking to you, Mr. Golden. So uh, it's a thought, and I would appreciate the comment here. Uh, Conservatism and and progressiveness, okay? Uh, I believe that these are really, obviously they oppose one each other, but these are really the powers that really move the political spectrum. It's not Democrats or Republicans, I think. I think it's these two bodies that fighting one each other. And I, I was listening to you talking about more um, activism, but I think the reason, and I really oppose the pro- uh, progressivism, uh, that they are winning, I'm sorry to say there, because the messaging, as you alluded earlier, uh, is so much better. They are using the entertainment industry, the audio or the video part of them, to send a message, and the starting from the young one, and so on and on and on, and that's how they manage to get what they want, their agenda, through, uh, unfortunately. And uh, till uh, you be able to find some kind of a tool on the conservative side that would uh, overcome uh, this very powerful tool of the progressives, uh, I don't know uh, where we're going with this. I'm well, let me I'm just say something. You're raising a thought here. And, you know, when Derek was on, he alluded to this. When he said something, it was one sentence. He said, Rush Limbaugh's dead. Now, I have been seeing on Twitter all week long, I wonder what Rush would have said about this. I wonder what Rush would say about this. I wonder what the unifying voice of conservatism in America belonged to Rush Limbaugh. That's it. And his voice the absence of his voice this week was felt. One wonders whether the outcome of this race would have been different if Rush was still with us. Of course, he's not, and so we have to carry on. But what you're talking about is the absence of a unified message. Progressives do have unified messages. You think about the phrases that they introduce into society that become the accepted phrases that frame an issue in just a few words, gender-affirming care. You hear that term over and over, gender-affirming care. 
It defines everything about this movement that they have done to sexualize children, gender-affirming care. You look at some of the other catchphrases that they use. And so no matter which Democrat it is, no matter which progressive it is, they go, they use their catchphrases, their slogans, and they communicate. Look at the way that they talk about elections. They talk about Republicans want to suppress the vote. Democrats want to expand the vote. They never say what it really is. Democrats want to find ways to bypass American election law and come up with new laws that allow them to get the results that they want. They never say it like that. And instead, they accuse Republicans of wanting to deny elections to suppress the vote, and they make it racially charged. And Republicans are doing nothing of the sort. They're saying, "Look, these are the, these are hey, these are the rules that we these are the rules we used to play by. Election day was election day. It wasn't election month. No, we didn't let multiple people handle ballots. No, we didn't just have these drop boxes here that we can't." All of this stuff that we want to do, Democrats say, oh, we're trying to expand the vote. We're trying to give more people the ability to vote. No, they're not. They're trying to manipulate the vote. We had one communicator in America who could break through all of this. And so the challenge is now for us to be able to communicate the vision of what it is that we want and to expand that communication not just to the the minority of the base that we are in the Republican Party, but to a much larger audience. And dare I say, here's another liberal catchphrase, a more inclusive audience. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, our number duo in the can. Our number trio coming up. Oh, Rhonda tells me that it might be you as Grant's favorite So. You know, I love that song. That's the theme from Tootsie, and it's one of my favorite songs too, Ron. I wonder if that's in the library. We'll get it in there one of these days. That's another Stephen Bishop song. I think that was produced by David Grusin, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, our number uh, three coming right up. Telephones, 800-848-WABC. In the next hour as well, James Golden. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza as we barrel in to hour number three. Stay with us, please. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And here we are every Saturday morning. If you are just waking up, welcome. Have that first cup of coffee with us. If you've been up, have uh, your second, third, fourth, or even fifth cup with us. We have a new Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. He won on the 15th round. This is the longest it's ever taken to uh, elect a Speaker in the House of Representatives since uh, pre-Civil War times. And I would like to just say hats off to those Republicans who stood firm and would not just rubber stamp this one. As a result, 
the Congress will be more open and will function in ways that it hasn't functioned in almost a generation. That is not a bad thing. That is a good thing. The ability for Congress, men and women that you elect, to actually do something resembling their job, which is to bring amendments to legislation, to introduce legislation in a body that is not solely operating at the whims of a speaker is a good thing. And it should, and and let me just say this about that. Yes, it can, and Derek, Derek Hunter was with me the first hour, columnist for Town Hall, and among other things, author, and he raised the point that, look, this is going to give us some things we don't want, but overall it's very good. And I agree with that. One of the reasons that those in leadership don't want, of both parties, don't want members to have the ability to introduce the amendment is because there are gotcha amendments that come up because it puts members up for vote. Other members introduce, especially in election year, amendments and force votes on their membership that sometimes can come back to bite them in the butt. And they don't like that. They want the power to stream upward so that the speaker determines the agenda. But that's not the way that a legislative body should operate. And so Chip Roy and others negotiated with Kevin McCarthy that he would return to regular order, which will actually allow Congress, men and women, and committees to have more of a say of what is happening legislatively. And that is important because our Constitution demands that all appropriations get started in the House of Representatives. There are also financial constraints that Kevin McCarthy signed on to that should if enacted, and that's a big if, because many of the things that will originate in the House now are going to just go die in the Senate. That's the way it is, folks. Got to win elections. But at least for these next two years, we will have a more open legislative body if these things come to fruition in the House of Representatives. And for that, Chip Roy and others, they would call all kind of names like the Taliban 20, et cetera, et cetera. This has been an exercise in how a republic should operate. To the detractors, and there were many who were saying this is a waste of time. These people are just gumming up the works. No, there were many others. I'm embarrassed by this. This is embarrassing. You shouldn't be embarrassed by it at all. This is You should be in awe that in America we have a process in a representative republic, and those are key words, in a representative republic where mob rule cannot just take place because you're in a majority, where, where you as a minority have rights. This is a system that is the envy of the world or used to be anyway, before much of it was corrupted by the now Democrat Party. 
We should be proud of what happened here. Even though some people didn't get the outcome that, that, that they wanted, and that, that's politics too. We don't get the outcomes we want all the time. But at least in this process, we function through votes and not violence, even though <laughs> in the 14th round, wow. One of Kevin McCarthy's guys, Mike Rogers, almost looked like he was going to swing at Matt Gates. The pictures are hilarious. Anyway, your thoughts on that, totally welcome. Scott, do you have Uncle Lenny? Because now we have a new minority leader, and this is quote-unquote historic. Hakeem Jeffries from New York is now the Democrat minority leader. Now, Princess Di, the last time she was on with us, pointed out to us that Hakeem Jeffrey is, I think, the nephew of Yes, he is the the nephew of someone well-known in New York politics. That would be Professor Leonard Jeffries, Uncle Lenny. And so we, Scott, went back and got Uncle Lenny. And so this is Scott. Tell us what you have here. Well, we have uh, Uncle uh, Uncle Leo, which I, I prefer to call him Uncle Leo. It's Uncle Lenny. Okay, Uncle Leo. <laughs> Just for the Seinfeld purposes. Uh, no, he, he, uh, well, you had brought up the ice people and the, and the, what is it, the sun people? The ice people and the sun right. people. Right. So I went looking for this and have not yet been able to find audio of it since this is all pre internet. But what I did find was his Albany speech. And this goes, this, he, uh, at times sounds a lot like Hakeem. And at other times, sounds exactly like Kanye West, and it makes you wonder if if Kanye maybe, you know, went to his classes at some point, and and then we Kanye's have... too young, but that's okay. <laughs> anyway, if you'd like to hear uh, some of what I found, I can I can uh, go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to hear. Let's hear Uncle Lenny. Let's hear Hakeem Jeffries' uncle. This is Uncle Lenny, Lenny Jeffries, when he was back in his profession. And Uncle Lenny's still around. I hope we can interview him one day. I'd be love great it. if he came on the show. I would love to interview Uncle Lenny. Anyway, let's hear from Uncle Lenny. Here we go. The education arena was designed to support the system of white supremacy that was institutionalized in this nation. That's what education was for. The legal system was designed to support the system of white supremacy in this nation. The economic system was the heart of the system of white supremacy in this nation. And the cultural system went along with that. Movies and all the rest of it. For years, I grew up as a youngster just like you did, going to movies where the African peoples were completely denigrated. That was a conspiracy planned and plotted and programmed out of Hollywood with people called Greenberg and Weisberg and Trigliani and whatnot. It's not being anti-Semitic to mention who developed Hollywood. Their names are there. MGM, Metro Golden Mayor. Adolf Zuko, Fox, Russian Jewry had a particular control over the movies. I don't feel like he would be nominated for Speaker of the House. Why not? He sounds like, well, the first part of his speech, he sounds like Democrats. 
Democrats he, are he saying. He starts off good. Yeah, he, 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 he starts off, off saying the same thing Democrats are saying today. Play it again. Let's play Uncle Lenny. This is Leonard Jeffries, uncle of Hakeem Jeffries, who is now the head of the Democrat Party in the House of Representatives. Let's listen to Hakeem Jeffries' uncle, Uncle Lenny, professor in New York, in New York's CUNY system. Here's Uncle Lenny. The education arena was designed to support the system of white supremacy that was institutionalized in this nation. That's what education was for. The legal system was designed to support the system of white supremacy in this nation. The economic system was the heart of the system of white supremacy in this nation. And the cultural system went along with that. Movies and all the rest of it. For years I grew up as a youngster just like you did, going to movies where the African peoples were completely denigrated. That was a conspiracy planned and plotted and programmed out of Hollywood with people called Greenberg and Weisberg and Trigliani and whatnot. It's not being anti-Semitic to mention who developed Hollywood. Their names are there. MGM, Metro-Golden-Mayer, Adolf Zucker, Fox, Russian Jewry had a particular control over the movies. Uncle Liddy. So we'll keep looking. I want to find the ice people. I got to go dig some of this stuff out. I'm going to have to do some searches too. Because, because at the time, we covered this on the Rush Show almost 30 years ago. We played some of this stuff back then about the ice people and the sun people from, um, uh, from Uncle Lenny. And I remember it well. So and so did Diana. That's why she brought it up. I'm finding lots of articles about it, but I can't find the audio. But I did this. This is a six-part speech, and I had until last week I wasn't able to find the whole thing. So I haven't. I actually haven't heard the end of this speech. So maybe. Well, we got to hear more of this speech from Uncle Lenny. Okay, and we'll have some in future weeks. Anyway, that's our King Jeffrey's Uncle Lenny. Now let me just say one thing about what Uncle Lenny said, and I'm look. <clears throat> I don't look at it from the same perspective that Uncle Lenny does. My perspective is that for decades in America, the entertainment industry has been run by liberals. Liberals. Okay? Liberals and progressives have run the entertainment industry. And that is why... When you t- when he talks about it as a child, you see Africa. Yeah, I remember watching movies as a kid. They talk about Africa. They always called it the dark continent. So just like Democrats do today, democracy dies in darkness and all that stuff, right? So I remember that. If you go back and you ask yourself a question, and I've asked myself this question, why would anybody, why would anybody in their right mind program their children with music or allow it to become an industry that promotes misogyny, that promotes race hatred, that promotes killing each other, that promotes what I can only call evil. Why would anyone in their right mind think that this is okay to program to children? And you see it in movies. You see it in the music of younger generations where 
people are calling their women, can I say it, gangster, uh, B.I. itches and hoes and all kind of stuff. Who would do this? Who thinks this is healthy? Who think it's who thinks it's healthy to have some of the most perverse evil portrayed on the big screen as if it is normal behavior? But this is what Hollywood, the entertainment industry complex in this country, has done, and it is not just one group of people. It is people of an ideology of liberals and progressives that thinks this stuff is okay. And it's not okay. And it has harmed this country greatly. I'd be interested to hear what some of you think about that. 800-848-WABC is number to call, 800-848-9222. Thanks, Scott. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurvy, is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Coming back right after this. Oh, no, politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Bill Collins. Philip Bailey from Earth, Wind, and Fire. Easy Lover on WABC Talk Radio 77. The Daily BS is up. You know, for for months and months, I've been um, doing a a twice-a-day news blast, which is called The Daily BS, powered by American Wire News among other sources, and it's been very successful. I have people calling me from all over the country that get it. If you want to get it, you have to just go to, now you can go to the website. We are doing the pre-launch of the website, and the website we are going to grow beyond belief. We have plans. It's going to take us about a year to roll out everything that we're planning, but the Daily BS, the dailybs.com is out, and you can sign up there to get the news blast that we do twice a day called The Daily BS. Here's one of the stories we had that you can find in The Daily BS. This one from The Daily Caller News Foundation. Jordan Peterson, many of you know this guy. Jordan Peterson is a Canadian psychologist. That is just no holds barred. He just speaks truth. But Jordan Peterson has been ordered into a re-education program. Do you believe this? Into a This is real. Let me just read the story the way it is. The College of Psychologists in Ontario ordered clinical psychologist and author Jordan Peterson to complete six months of re-education about social media professionalism following complaints and comments he made on social media and on Joe Rogan's podcast. Patterson will be required to undergo six months of coaching to refine his social media etiquette. In other words, some some liberals got offended by him. They complained, and now he has to undergo, this is Canada, he has to go undergo a re-education course 
so that he can please the Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his bunch of socialists up there. They gave him one or two, he has to contact one of two provided coaches. They gave him some coach, hey, call these guys, they'll coach you. And they gave him five days to start, you know, to get into hold of these coaches to start his re-education. His license as a clinical psychologist is in danger. This is the cancel culture on parade. That story at the dailybs.com. And you can get a twice a day news blast from me, yours truly, Bo Snurley, the daily BS, the daily Bo Snurley, the dailybs.com. And we are, we have plans. I'm talking to some people who are, who, uh, some voices that you hear on this program, some not, some writers, some authors, and we got all kind of stuff planned. One of my good buddies, uh, for instance, Scott Hoganson, went on a trip to Antarctica, came back with some amazing photos, and we have them on the site. Uh, we're going to be putting some others up. It's not. It's going to be, of course, you, music is going to be a major part of this as we roll out later. Music, life, arts, more than just politics, but you can also get the news, and we will focus on news, the dailybs.com. Let's head back to the telephones. People have been waiting. And I want to take as many of them as possible today. Michelle, you're in Connecticut. You've been so patient. Thank you for waiting. How are you this morning, yes. Michelle? Yes. Hi. How are you? I have so much to talk about, but um, I've called uh, a couple times in the past. Um, I'm an African-American woman in Connecticut. I was pretty much raised uh, as a Democrat, and I realized probably in my 40s that, you know, that really wasn't the way to go, and um, I switched to becoming a Republican, then got very discouraged after, um, you know, um, I think it was McCain that lost and some other things that happened in the party. So now I'm an independent. I've been an independent probably for the last five, six years, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I will never, ever give uh, Republicans um, money at all. Um, They're just, everything that you said is so correct about the Republicans. They just have no backbone, and they just let people ride all over them, and they, they need to, they have a lot to stand on but they they don't seem to do anything about it and I'm just so frustrated with the whole political system. So well let me yeah. just encourage you this way. You know, I get frustrated too. And I will be honest with you, there are times when I've thought about doing what you're doing, just throwing my hands up and saying, "You know what, screw this. I'm going to be an independent." But let's face another political reality. We are still in a two-party system. A third party is not going to make it. The only thing, the only role of a third party in American politics, at least on the national level, is to be a spoiler. If you want to affect for change, it is a slow process. It does not happen overnight, and it's going to happen in only one party or another. Now, I know a lot of people are calling it the uniparty right now. It is not the uniparty. There are still distinct differences between what these two parties do, although there is also a lot of bending over by Republicans to the Democrats, as in this last omnibus spending bill. So I would just urge Republicans and independent and libertarian thinkers to think long term. 
If you want instant gratification in politics, it ain't going to happen for you if you're a Republican. Most of the time. Now, politics can change on a dime. Donald Trump did more in four years on the Republican side and four conservatives than in the previous 30 years that I have been following and identifying as a conservative. I didn't know I was a conservative for many years. And that's one of the things that Rush Limbaugh did with for a lot of us, helped us identify politically what we were. But it is a slow, it is a slow process for the kind of change that we want. Because Democrats have been doing so much to this country incrementally. So for years, do you remember, and many of you will remember, that 30 years ago, for instance, the thought that there would be a same-sex marriage in America was unheard of. What? What are you talking about? And when Democrats first and progressives and liberals first started talking about it, people were saying, oh, come on, this will never happen. And then it started rising to the level where it became an issue in one state, in two states. And then you started hearing people talk about it on a national level. And then you had the incredible organization that was done by people lobbying for those sorts of laws. And then you had the court cases. And now, of course, not only do you have the laws, but what you also have is a shift in the way that Americans think about the issue. There are a lot of Americans now who said, yeah, you know what, I was opposed, I was opposed to that, and now I'm not. But if you look at everything else, I don't want to just make this about sexuality. Let's look at some of the other things that they've done. Let's look at this idea of government health care. The idea that Obamacare now would be law of the land. If you told people specifically the things that Obamacare sought to do, and you put them out there in 1990, they would have said, nope, we don't want that. It's law today. It was an incremental process. If you look at the way... Right now that they're talking about, well, back to sexuality, gender-affirming care. This would have never happened 30 years ago, 20 years ago. There's an incremental push. The Democrats get hold of an issue, no matter what that is. Reparations. There's reparations news today, by the way. Did you hear about that, Scott, the reparations news? I haven't heard. I've been trying to. You owe me more money, brah. It's now gone up in California to a million dollars per African American. It started at two hundred twenty-seven thousand k. That was a, a story we covered on the Daily BS too. It's now up to a million, bro. Owe me a million. That's what they're saying in California now for reparations. I feel that now. Old, this really. is an instrumental story that's happening as we speak. It started when about ten years ago. You started hearing stuff about reparations. Now you have one state, not more. Actually, it's two states, where now the wheels are in motion to make it a reality. 
They are not going to stop, people. They don't stop. We, as Republicans, need to learn how to play the long game. We always come up on defensive. When when the big stuff is finally happening, after all these years that they do, then we finally start organizing and trying to come up against it. And by that time, it's too late. This goes right back to what I was talking about the first monologue of this hour. We have to do a much better job of understanding the long-term play of politics. And so, Michelle, I say to you, and all those like you, I would just urge, I'm not, what you're doing is right for you, and who am I to tell you what to do? And I'm not telling you what to do or even suggest. But I would suggest why many of us are frustrated with the Republican Party and frustrated beyond belief and fed up. If you really do want to affect change, then we are going to have to work within the party to make sure that our ideas prevail. That is the only option for long-term change. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly, WABC Talk Radio 77, Saturday morning radio extravaganza. I cannot wait to hear. I've been asking for some music. Diego's been playing some music. Derek had... Uh, 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 um, our first bumper today was um, from Fleetwood Mac at request of Derek. So now I'm going to ask our screener to come up with something. Yeah, this is like a representative republic thing. So I can't wait to hear what we get next as bumper. <laughs> James Golden, A.K. Snurley. Don't go away. More phone calls coming up right after this. politics and so much more a true connection to real new york on 77 wabc i have one question put them on Yes. How do you know this song? Well, he picked it. Our screener picked. How do you know this song? Well, How the Apollo you... concert is very famous, and I know you love your James Brown. You know I love some James Brown. Who doesn't love some James Brown? Oh my gosh, man! You have you imp- gold star for you. You impressed Thank the you. host. Thank you. This was so early in James Brown's career. I saw James Brown at the Apollo. Yes, my next-door neighbor, Callie Belton, took us. We were kids. And it was three of us kids. Me, my brother, and my sister. And we, I mean, we were kid kids. And Callie was a, um, Callie had to be a late teenager, I guess. Or maybe early 20s or something. We were kids. And she took us to the Apollo to see James Brown, and it was awesome. Oh, my gosh. He did the whole thing with the cape 
in the whole uh, that, for please, please, please. It was amazing, and he did the James Brown. Yeah, awesome. Great choice. Let's head back to the telephones. Bob in Queens, New York. How are you? Thank you for waiting, Bob. Yes, hi. Good morning. Can you hear me? I hear you just fine, Bob. Uh, You know what? I couldn't care less about a person's gender. I couldn't care less if a person gets an abortion. None of that affects me, so I don't care. The only thing I care about is the money that I have in my wallet. And I can tell you this. The only party that ever raised my taxes were the Republican Party. What they did when they capped the state and local taxes was they cost me between forty-four dollars and $4,700 more a year. I thought the Republicans were for giving you back more of your money. How did they give me back more of my money when they actually stole it? They stole it by capping my state and local taxes and taking more money away. Now, if you want to actually go back and do something about it, why don't you simply have two tax systems? Those who like filing under the old tax system, that would be great. If you get more money filing under the old way, then you can file under the old way. If you get more money filing under the new way, then you can get the new way of filing. This way, we have more money coming into the economy, and the Republicans will actually be carrying out a promise that they made. That is giving the American people money back. Thank you very much. Can, can you hold on just a second and let me ask you Go a few ahead. questions? Okay. Number one, I get it. I get why you are ticked off, okay, because at the end of the day, this is your hard-earned money, and now you're spending more of it. Now, I just want to mention something to you. The reason that the Republicans did this is because this, as they call it, SALT, this deduction is not a deduction around the country. This pertains to northeast states that are high tax. And so what they did in order to keep raising local taxes on you but have it not show up as hard, what they did was allow a deduction that is not is not taken by most people in America because they don't live here. In other words, they did a special carve-out for these high-tax cities like New York and states like New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, right? And so now when the Republicans come in and say, we have to make things fair, most of the country doesn't have this advantage. We're going to just eliminate this deduction. The real people that you should be angry about, and and I'm not saying you shouldn't be angry, because you should be. You should be boiling mad over this. But it's a little bit misdirected, because the real people that you should be angry about at are those people that have been raising your taxes to live in New York forever and not dealing with you any services. Let me ask you a question. I don't. You don't have to tell me what part of Queens you are, because I don't want you to, you know, identify yourself. But let me ask you a question. Do you drive, Bob? Do you drive a car? I can't anymore. No, I okay. don't drive. But when you used to drive, have you ever noticed that despite these, all these exorbitant taxes that you pay, almost every road in Queens, you have to avoid potholes. 
almost every road is in bad shape. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that in Queens, if you go out after a certain time, a day or night, you have to look over your shoulder because you have to worry whether somebody's going to beat you over the head and take your money because these criminals are roaming the streets and not in jail. Have you noticed that? Bob? Yeah, I, t- I believe that there should be a death penalty for this kind of garbage. I'm for a death penalty for white-collar criminals. I'm fed up with these people. We have to have a firmer death penalty, and I am pro-death. I'm not pro-life. I'm pro-death. It is time for Oof. a much more faster Oof. death penalty. Give it to the white-collar criminals as well as the blue-collar criminals, and then we'll have an equitable system. Oof. Okay, Bob, the only thing I've got to tell you is this. You live in one of the highest tax states in the history of mankind. They take your money, and they waste your money. So I understand why you're mad, because now their little game has been exposed. But you're mad at the wrong people. You should be mad. And the Democrats should have had a very simple solution to this. Oh, they're not going to allow the deduction? Well, we're going to cut your taxes by the same amount. How come they didn't cut your taxes, Bob? Anybody here in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, how come they didn't cut your taxes? How come they didn't cut your taxes? Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Rick in New Jersey, you're on WABC Talk Radio 77. How are you this morning, Rick? I'm doing okay, James. How are you doing? Good, thank you. I think it's time that we get in their faces when we see the traitor Democrats and the traitor Republicans out to dinner. We should confront them. We should call them Marxist traitors. We should tell their children that if their parents are telling them the world is coming to an end because of global warming, they're child abusers. And eventually we're going to go after them and take their children away. Now, I hope that you're just giving us a parody of what Demo- of what the Democrats said to Republicans, because obviously we should let people alone when they're eating. We shouldn't be bothering people, and we shouldn't be, um, except for when people confront us, we shouldn't be acting hostily toward our neighbors and toward, toward people, leave people in peace. But this is exactly what the Democrats said. This is, Rick is echoing what Maxine Waters said. And, of course, Republicans are the ones that are supposed to be all oh, for the violence and everything. Maxine Waters said this. We should we should confront them. Anytime you see them when they're eating, you should confront them. And, of course, these same people walking around talking about January 6th this, January 6th that. As I said yesterday, in every blue city in America, January 6th is every day. There's violence, mayhem, murder. Every day. And that, by the way, didn't happen in the Capitol. Not murder, except for Ashley Babbitt. But I digress. No, I will never go along with confronting people that are going about their business. That is not the way we are supposed to do things in America. I appreciate your call, though, Rick, and I hope it was satire. Scott in Woodbridge, how are you, Scott? Uh, reasonably well. Uh, I know we're pressed for time, so I'm going to be brief. 
Uh, with regard to the earlier comment or uh, topic that you raised with regard to the Jewish influence in the mass media, you know, this is a very interesting uh, I didn't article. raise it. Uncle Lenny raised it. Hakeem Jeffries' Uncle Lenny made that point. Do not say, I'm just letting people know what Hakeem Jeffries, leader of the Democrat Party in the House of Representatives, what his uncle had to say while teaching, while being a professor in the New York CUNY system. Now, continue. <laughs> okay, correction, Uncle Lenny. Uh, so with regard to Uncle Lenny Jeffries, uh, with regard to uh, – the Jewish role in the mass media. Now, first of all, I, I want to disassociate from Leonard Jeffries. Leonard Jeffries is a lunatic, all right? Uh, he, he said some pretty zany things about sun people, ice people, that just complete utter yes. garbage. But with, but, with regard to, but with regard to the pronounced Jewish influence in the mass media, that I mean, there are a lot more credible sources than Uncle Lenny, if you want to get that information. With regard to that, that being said, there's an article I, I highly suggest that you check out it's called who rules america from national vanguard books now it was published in 2000 in uh, 1993 but um, you can find it on amazon actually and again it's who rules america question mark national vanguard books and basically it goes into the uh the major corporations that do indeed control 90 percent of the american media landscape. And, you know, it's a very easy thing to establish. Why? Because the media landscape is very concentrated in terms of corporate ownership of the major corporations that control the mass media. There's only about five or six major media corporations that control about 90% of the American media industry. Viacom, uh, Cap Cities, ABC, Disney, uh, you, you name it. There's only a handful of them. And mm-hmm. when you look at the na- when, when you look at the names, uh, Viacom, Sumner, Redstone, that was daughter Shari Redstone, uh, Disney. Uh, first it was Michael Eisner, then you had Bob Iger. Uh, now that you have some Bob. What Chasek. are you saying here? What are you saying here? What are you saying here? What's your point here? What's your point here? What are you saying here? What are you saying here? <laughs> okay, so uh, basically, I mean, come on, break undeniable. it down. Break it down. What are you saying? What are you saying? Yes, it's undeniable that there is indeed a Jewish presence in uh-huh. the mass media. Uh-huh. That's what he's saying, folks. Uncle yes, Lenny has undeni- fans. I gotta go. James Golden, aka Snurdly, here on WABC Talk Radio seventy seven. We're coming back right after this. Soul of Excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdling, on 77 WABC. New edition brings us back on WABC. Talk Radio 77. And that's Ralph Presvan. Boy, it sounds so bubblegummy. It was. But it still sounds great, right? <laughs> I guess for your generation, this was like we used to feel like when we listened to the Jacksons. This is actually a little bit before 
by generation. Slightly. I got into it uh, a little after the fact. Uh huh. <laughs> I told her I'd never fall in love. I sound so masculine. <laughs> oh, scum, See, he was ahead of his time. <laughs> Okay, back to the telephones we go. Ina in Manhattan, thank you for waiting. It's your turn. Thank you, Ina. How are you this morning? I'm good, Mr. Noble. How are you? How was your vacation? Good? Oh, my vacation was excellent. Thank you. Yes. That but song, I missed is you. Is that Michael Jackson playing? Is that Michael Jackson? That was New Edition, actually. Oh, oh, yes. I, I just want to comment on Mr. McCarty. I'm so happy that he got 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 it, and he stand up firm, and he represent. He saw what what what's doing in New York and California and all over. So he was very strong, and I'm glad. Sometimes I I was so worried that he's gonna look it. You know where they're going with this, but I waited and waited and waited, and then it came true. So I, I was very glad that he got it because I know he will go in there and fix everything. And well, darling, I hope you're right. I hope he can fix some things. I got news for you. I think a lot of the stuff that no matter who was going to be the, the Speaker of the House and whatever legislation that they were going to come out with, a lot of it is going to get wasted in the Senate. It will never come to the floor of the Senate, or if it does, it will be defeated in the Senate. Or it will be worked around so much you won't even recognize it by the time it comes back to the House in conference. So I hope you're right, you know. I just don't have much hope that it's going to work like that. I'm happy for the, the football player. Yes. Man, that was amazing what he comes out. I pray so and much for him. And the first thing he him? said, who wins the game? It was funny. <laughs> You know, it was real good. I was, I'm so happy for the parents and all the basketball, the football players because you were I such love a the good football. Soul. Thank yes. you. You were such a good soul to pray for this football player who was. And by the way, folks, he is out of um off the off the uh, the oxygen and all that good stuff. He's facetiming his teammates, so he is making a a, a remarkable recovery from where he was. Now, the question still remains, <clears throat> what caused it? Hmm. And why are so many athletes these days, young athletes, young, healthy, vibrant athletes, why all of a sudden are we seeing such a rash of... I don't understand where you're going with this. Let's go to another call, Dennis <laughs> in Gillette. How are you, Dennis? Great, guys. Listen, um, love your show. But my concern is this. The, the red wave did not happen, correct? Okay. Correct. We were, ex- we were expecting the red wave because the millennials are looking for a new generation of leadership. Kevin McCarthy is not the new face. I was really hoping that those 20 congressmen would hold out, okay, because these are the kids. This is the generation, and the younger generation is waiting because they're the ones making good money today. They're the ones that are paying the taxes. They got mortgages. They got college. 
They're looking for young leadership. Mitch well, McConnell and, mm-hmm. and Mr. McCarthy are not the new face of the Republican Party. And not until they decide new leadership. I was, I really like Byron Donaldson from Florida. I love He's, Byron. We're going to try to get Look, Dennis, let me just say something, though. A lot of people believe what you believe, that is the young that still dominate. It's not. The highest voting rates still are among older people. Besides, a lot of these younger millennials you're talking about, they're still living with the parents because they can't afford a housing on their own. Now, that's not to say that we don't need some new blood in the Republican Party. We do. And by the way, compared to Nancy Pelosi, Kevin McCarthy is new blood. But that's a whole other story. I appreciate your call. Very much. Thank you. I just want to say something, because I didn't even respond to the last guy when he went on that kind of look. As I said earlier, my position is this. Liberals run the entertainment industry, and that's where I'm going with it. I think people need to understand that we're we're playing this to expose the pot to 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 introduce the possibility that perhaps Hakeem Jeffries uh, 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 we, we, agrees with that, that well, this I, might I, be a family position I, as opposed to what we are trying to advocate we, for. We don't believe this. Look, <laughs> this is the Jeffries family. We just want you to know who the Jeffries family are because you'll hear Hakeem Jeffries say some things, and you might say, "Well, how do you come up with that?" Well, let's go back and visit Uncle Lenny. Thank you, Scott. Pamela, how are you this this morning? Hi, Pamela. Hi. Um, in recognition of the positive process that went on in the House this week, let's look at now the Senate. By 2027, Mitch McConnell will have served 19 consecutive years as either the majority leader or minority leader. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, the Constitution did not have these jobs, these positions in it originally. It developed over time. And it's not good because it creates a good old boy network, pay for play, and and this kind of problem with uh, loyalty or revenge uh, if you don't vote for them. Well, the Constitution doesn't call, of course, for a silent minority or majority leader, because they left up to the Senate how it organized itself. And the rules governing the Senate go back uh, almost to the time of Thomas Jefferson. So they, you're right, in that sense, they have developed over time, and <clears throat> perhaps they need to be refreshed. But remember who the last one that refreshed the Senate rules by his lonesome was Dingy Harry, Harry Reid. And what he decided to do was blow up the filibuster with judicial appointments. And that didn't work out too well for Democrats, did it? So, you know, I think people need to be very careful. I mean, we all want change, but sometimes change brings with it unintended consequences. And so I think that obviously many of us were hoping for a change in the Republican leadership. Many people wanted a change in the Republican leadership. We got what we got. But there has been a change in that these holdouts were able, thanks to holding out for as long as they did, they were able to get rules changes in the House that would have never been gotten otherwise. And we'll see how it turns out. As I said earlier, 
today, politics is a long game. It's not a short game. If you want instant gratification, you're in the wrong place if you look for it in politics because it just doesn't happen like that. Let us see how much time we have. Roberta, you are next up, and you got to make it quick because we are running out of time. James, I think we're finally getting our country back. I asked Larry Kudlow. He said the cavalry was coming, even though it's kind of small. But uh, anyway, I heard they're going to do a French church committee to get rid of these uh, a lot of bad FBI people and whatever else is in there that are no good. So, well, here's what I will say. I hope you're right, just like I hope uh, and Ian was right. I hope you're right. I am not nearly as optimistic because I look back at the Republican track record of so-called investigation, and all I see is failure. But I hope this time will be different, and we're not all just playing Charlie Brown with the football. Three hours, come and gone. Thank you all for being here. We'll be back on Monday at 4 o'clock for Boston Early's Rush Hour. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your families. I hope you have the rate. A great rest of the week. And Larry Kudlow is up next, so you can ask him about that, by the way. We'll see you Monday. Have a great weekend, folks. Bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.